if you continue to internalize this, like your mind is a dangerous place to play in by yourself. It is, especially when you start internalizing, you start questioning things. It, a lot of times sitting on that couch, I remember my first treatment, I sat on the couch and when you leave, you're like, it's this burden that's lifted. Any of my brothers that are out there, you know, struggling with their deployment or, you know, life in general, you know, I tell them to, hey, to stay strong and to keep holding on and to understand, you know, you're here for a reason and that, you know, your life and what you're doing does have purpose. Hey everyone, this is Greg Washington and welcome to our next edition of Guards Down. I have with me today Dante. How's it going over there? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm staying COVID free as possible. You got to do it, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So look, tell us, the audience, a little bit about yourself. Definitely. Uh, again, my name is Dante Smith. You can find me on Instagram at Dante Smith. That's D-O-N-T-E-S-M-I-T-H. I was in the Navy for about five years as a medical corpsman, so I saw quite a bit while I was out watching different things go on, not only with myself, but also with other members in the service. I served five years, you know, just treated differently than some other individuals due to being surrounded by other individuals that are there. You know, sometimes it's a good old boy situation and then just people just treat you differently. Decided that that wasn't the fit for me because somebody else was receiving credit for something that I actually did. See, when I was in the Navy, I actually got my first two NAMs when I was a, I got my first NAM as an E3, which is normally given to an E6. Um, I received that for actually saving a Marine out in just general public, helping him save his life. He ended up on my actual ward where I actually started treating when the When my chief found out about it, he was like, you know what? Good job. Good job. And I was like, okay. And the next thing I know, he was trying to give me an award. And I was like, like, it's not that deep. It's what are you doing? He was like, I need you to be quiet. I need you to accept this and keep moving forward. So I did. Got promoted to E4 and became a LPO, which still normally isn't given to somebody until a, a E5. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm just really dedicated to the things that I do. Mm -hmm. uh, left, left that ward in North Carolina and got stationed on the USS John C. Stenisivian 74. And there, as soon as I got there, they looked at my background and they were like, there's no way we can make you a petty officer, uh, LPO rather, here because there's too many outranking individuals. And I was like, okay, no problem. Just give me, and I'm just gonna be transparent. I'm a sailor, so if you know sailors, they always say we do something really, really well. And I told them, give me the most place that you have. And in doing so, they said, well, nobody's been able to fix birth month recall. I was like, no problem, go ahead and give it to me. Well, when I took on the position, I took on, I fixed it in less than a year, which typically it takes a year because you're working with birth months. So it takes yeah. a year. So. And I got everything in line within about nine months. I really dug deep into it. I just wanted to fix it. I'm very passionate, as I mentioned. And after I fixed it, they told me, okay, well, it's fixed. And we see you got it in line. So it's time for you to choose a new station. And I was like, but I don't get to see the fruits of my reward, like what I did. I'm here for a few years. 
what's going on. They was like, no, we're going to move everybody around. And then they moved a young man into that position. And when they did so, it shifted everything around. And then moving from an E4 to an actual E5 as a corpsman in the Navy, very difficult. But while you're on sea duty, the captain has the ability while you're at sea is to actually cap you, to promote you to the next rank. And again, it's very difficult to go from E4 to E5 as a corpsman at that time. And they literally capped one of my shipmates, an E4 that was working. His name was Kitchens. He was an E3 at the time, both of the E3s. He got, I'm sorry, both E4s. They capped him to E5. And when they did so, I was like, congratulations, boss. You made it. You did it. And I said, let me see the certificate. I just want to read it. And when I read it, it said for his outstanding performance in building birth month recall. And it just took me to a whole different place. And from that, I started trying to figure out, you know, why was I being picked on for different things while I was in? And it was just a, a very difficult situation. Mm -hmm. But that's Dante. That's who I am. But now I currently work in property management. I mean, I built my own business in the background, actually helping people restore their credit, get financially literate, and get themselves to the next place in life. Got you. Got you. Okay. So basically, you were fast tracker in the Navy. And you put in some time and work into serving others and didn't get the appreciation or the credit that, you know, that was justly due to you, right? Of course, you know, on the show, uh, we're here to talk about uh, trauma and grief and how different people deal with it and how they overcome. It, it sounds like grief, but not in the sense of mourning for someone, more so something, you know, taken from you. And then so, you know, I, I just kind of want to talk about that aspect of, you know, what you went through, as well as you want to hear some of the other things that, that, you know, you went through when it comes to dealing with trauma and grief. So before we, we, we dive into there, uh, my first question I'd like to ask everyone is, do you feel like you were, you were equipped as a child growing up, you know, with your family and, and you know, surroundings to deal with trauma and Grief. Good question. Was I equipped? I mean, I think I was given the best tool that we can be given. And in, in my life, for me, I think that's, you know, a good biblical knowledge of where we are and who to depend on. And I don't necessarily believe that I really relied on that early on. However, you know, my father, my father and mother divorced at a very early age. And I was separated there from my father. My mother raised me. She did an outstanding job. All kudos to her. Then my stepfather came into my life. My little brother was born. I was excited about him coming along. Life continued to progress, went to high school, had to stop in high school to do different things like take care of the family versus, you know, do my extracurricular activities. And then my stepfather left. So my mother was there raising us by, by herself again, if you will. And so equipped with the right tools to go forward. I mean, I, I had what I had and those were my resources. So I had to utilize what I had. Did I get the, that golden carriage that, 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 what everybody else, the perfect, the perfect household. I'm not gonna say I had the perfect household. I mean, my, my mother was abused by my father. Those are the different things that I had to witness as a child. But I was always, I've always had the outlook that you should look at the glasses being half full and not half empty. So mm -hmm. I tried to gleam on those, those aspects. And while sometimes that's really, really hard, it's, it's just an open situation where you, what do you do? How do you turn? Where do you, where do you go? So when things actually, you know, when things really did start getting rough at home, when I started to discover who I actually was as an, as becoming a man, when I graduated from high school, 
that's when I had to make the decision. Am I going to stay at home and battle my mother and the things that she wants me to do? Or am I going to go out and live life? Right. And I followed in the footsteps of one of my best friends. And at the time he had joined the military and he was a corpsman. He was telling me how he, I mean, he was fresh out of boot camp, fresh out of A school. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I think that's going to be my move. And I remember I just said, I'm going to join the Navy. And I, and I left. Mm-hmm. So, so when you, when you, you talk about, you know, like, like your, your childhood growing up, one thing that, you know, I, I always say is that trauma shapes who we are or, or what we become, right? So mm-hmm. when you first deal with trauma, that shapes your why and then what and how you endure and then how you transition once, you know, you're past that. And so for you to see all the things you saw with your mom, you know, experience abuse in her relationship, one, how did that make you feel? And how did you learn to cope and get through with it? That kind of happened at a really young age. I remember my mother was, you know, we were living in Hawaii at the time. And I mean, it was two incidents that I'll never forget in life. I remember the, the, the one time when, you know, my mother and father were arguing really, really bad. I didn't know what the argument was until later on in life. Basically, my father just didn't believe that I should be fed beans and weenies. Like that is not an adequate meal for his son. And mm-hmm. so he literally started beating my mother. And I remember watching him put her through a glass screen door. Um, didn't really know what to take of that at that time. Didn't really understand it. But the next moment that I remember in, in my childhood is him becoming very enraged and jealous. And my mother was out washing her car. I'll never forget. It was a burgundy vehicle, um, more like a Cadillac type vehicle because I was very young. But I remember her holding me inside the car and him wanting to get to me and she wouldn't let him come to me. And he literally stood on the vehicle and he literally just started kicking the window in and I was there. And then then my father was no longer in my life. And I'm like, where did he go? Of course, I longed for him as a child. Um, and my mother never spoke badly about him. And she never said he did anything wrong. But it was just one of those moments where I'll never forget that in my life. Like, if you try to put me in a burgundy vehicle, like, I'm like, like I'll never purchase one. It just, mm-hmm. I don't, there's nothing about a burgundy vehicle that I like. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's funny that, you know, when we look at that, and as a medical professional, when I look at post-traumatic stress disorder, I, I remember being in the military and I didn't believe that people on, in the, in the ICU, like in upstairs, well, not in the ICU, but in the psych ward, I never believed that, like they took me up to that ward to get me to work. And I was like, I can't work here because I can't be compassionate to this individual. He's screaming little red bunnies are running around and there isn't none. He's just trying to get out of work. And I, I think looking back and having this conversation right now, I didn't want to believe in psychological situations. I didn't mm-hmm. want to believe. Yeah. So it's interesting to, you know, understand that you, you grew up kind of, you know, you dealt with trauma at a very early age. And because it was so early, you were able to process it differently than, you know, being a teenager or, you know, close to a grown man now and seeing that happen. I know, of course, you know, anybody would act differently. But for you to go through that, process it, uh, and thankfully, you know, your mom got you guys out of a bad situation and got you into a better one. For you to want to join the Navy and, of course, the medical field, uh, 
that inspiration as to your 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 why like why why the medical field well to be honest i just didn't want to work outside i didn't want to be hard labor <laughs> like, being at like i'm a anybody that knows me knows i'm a pretty boy i don't like to do hard work not I don't mind hard work. Like I'll get out there, I'll do some stuff. But I mean, my mother made me cut the grass every day at, mm-hmm. on Saturdays at any opportunity I wanted to cut it. But I was not cutting that grass at any point in time if it didn't, I just, it took forever. And I, got I would drag out chores, but I joined, I, I did the medical field because I really just, I knew that I'd be inside an AC and the whole thought of being in the military with my mother and father and stepfather being in the military, I just didn't want to be outside only to find out that I'd be training with the Marines and spending time in tents outside and got you. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that, that makes, that makes sense to understand who you are and you know what you want. Um, When you look at now, when Mm -hmm. you look at your, your career in the Navy, what advice would you, you give someone that is going through, right? Like whether, whether it, it, like, you know, this episode, we, we don't have to talk about it being, you know, necessarily a bad situation, but just for, you know, with your job, right? And and how you kind of got the wrong end of the stick or the wrong end of the stick? I would say definitely, you know, if you're in the medical field in the military, I, I don't know because I've been out for quite some time, but I would definitely say that you, you definitely want to record everything. In my profession, because we had access to everything in the medical field, nothing got recorded in my medical record. So the benefits that most vets would receive aren't there. So you definitely want to, regardless if you're in the medical field or you're out, you need to record everything that's going on. You need to have your own, if you will, diary. And that diary is your medical record because that's what's going to protect you on the way out. And you want to just make sure that everything is recorded and everything is documented. They may call you a sick bay commando. That's what we said in the Navy. Um, but you want to make sure that you are, are covered because at the end of the day, while while they feed this information to you, if you will, where you are government property, and yes, you are, you're still yourself, you're still your human, this is your temple, you need to take care of it, and you definitely need to go back and make sure that it's documented so that when you do come out, whenever you do come out, you can get the benefits that are there for you, because I'm still fighting for my benefits to this day. Got you, got you. Okay, so let's shift and let's talk more about getting help right while you're on active duty and like the different treatments and things that are out there uh so one of the things that you know that that i've been looking at and that i've started to 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 preach is cultural sensitive therapy right if your therapist looks like you or has been through the same things that you've been through then you guys can connect on a much deeper level which will in turn make the treatment more more effective and more favorable Again, as a a medical professional that was in there, and it's funny because if you can't relate to the individual and you're not comfortable, you're not going to open up. And the whole point of going to a therapist, which is, I I advocated, I believe in it. I, I personally have one. I utilize the VA for that currently. If you're not comfortable in any way, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not comfortable with you. I need a different one. And it's their job and their responsibility to find that for you. Whatever the reason it is why you're not comfortable, feel free in advocating and saying that. But you have to be comfortable because, again, who we're talking about and who we're trying to help is you. So I definitely do that. My current therapist, you know, I've, I'm more of an open book, so I don't mind really speaking about it. Like, if you ask me about it, I'll speak. There are some things that, you know, I still am not going to say I'm not completely guarded that I don't guard every, anything. 
there's some things that lie deeper that actually have occurred. And, and me and my therapist talk deeply about that. And I'm free there because, of course, you're protected. And a lot of people wonder, you know, is this really protected? Is this going to hurt my job? They cannot speak about it. If they do, I promise you'll be paid for life. Mm-hmm. That'll be instant, protected by HIPAA laws. But you definitely, you know, like you're saying, I, my therapist currently is an African-American male. He's at Mo- He attended Morehouse. And, I mean, those are things that, for me, make me feel solid and whole when I speak to a person. Because, number one, I feel as if he can relate with me. Number one, I feel like he may have been through some of the things that I may have been through. Or he has a closer tie. Whereas, if I'm speaking to a Caucasian male, I'm like, you're the reason why I'm in my situation now. Because the Caucasian male that was in my in the lieutenant is the reason why I feel the way that I feel right now. So you're going to be subconsciously, you may not even know you're doing it, but subconsciously you're sitting there and you're not giving information that you should be giving to help yourself because you're blocking the process. Because just like you mentioned, the image is there. You're just reliving it all over again. So, I mean, I went to one medical appointment and I recall walking in that, that office and the doctor that I had to see for my benefits, I walked in and he was like, I'm not going to put you through this. I can't. He was an African-American male. And he was just like, I can't put you through this. If you said this, 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 and this happened, it happened. Like, why would you be here if these things didn't happen? It happened. Right. Go home. You're fine. And know that that's how I'm going to report this. And I was like, it was the weirdest appointment ever. I was blown away. And I won't say what doc, who it was. I've had several African-American doctors. They ask you that question when you get ready to go in. Like, who do you want to see? They're asking you that for a reason. Go in, open up, tell them who you want to see. I want a male. I want a black male. I want, and they'll make the arrangement for you. Mm -hmm. Timing may be off, but they'll make it for you. Got you. Okay, so, so. You, you definitely agree with the cultural sensitive therapy, um, being able to uh, ask, you know, for, you know, your preference as far as, you know, experience wise or, you know, culture wise. Uh, the other part to it is like medical, like the treatment, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to the different types of treatment options, you know, whether it be, you know, CBT or EMDR, um, you know, if, if you've experienced any of those, do you, do you recommend one over the other? I don't know what those acronyms stand for. Okay, uh, so uh, cognitive behavior therapy. Do you know okay. you're messing with me? And then the other one is eye movement desensitization, right? And so um, it's, it's one of those where folks with PTSD or traumatic experiences, it's a certain way for you to be able to, they, they help you process right the the trauma um and so just wanted to get your take on how you go about talking with your your you know your healthcare provider your professional um as well as uh the the treatments right the medical side of it like the the prescriptions and stuff hey guys it's strong greg and i wanted to invite you to the community that we created for the whole guards down family Jump on Facebook or check the show notes for the Guards Down Facebook group. There you'll be able to find a community of folks who are committed to raising awareness about complex grief and PTSD. Look forward to chatting with you guys in the group. Now let's get back to the episode. How do I go about discussing my medical treatments? I'm trying to understand the question. Oh, well, yeah. So 
there are certain ways that you can. So for, for someone that doesn't want to speak on their trauma and, and relive it, you know, by speaking on it, right? Um, how do they go about expressing it, right? And is there any treatments out there that would help them in that way, you know, that they can process it, but not have to, you know, just relive it. And then. I would definitely say tune into your show, number one, because this is gold. That's not a shameless plug, but that's, as a medical profession, the reason why I say that is because you need to hear it and believe it. And maybe you don't believe it now, but maybe if you listen to this a few more times, it'll sink in and you'll understand that if you continue to internalize this, like your mind is a dangerous place to play in by yourself. It is, especially when you start internalizing, you start questioning things. It, a lot of times sitting on that couch, I remember my first treatment, I sat on the couch and when you leave, you're like, it's this burden that's lifted. And the person is just simply writing and you're talking. They may ask one or two questions and then you're just talking. You in a room, anything that would make you feel uncomfortable. Or if you, they ask you a question you don't want to talk about it at the time. I remember my first set of, my first therapist when I sat down, there were some questions they asked and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good on that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that. And they have to respect that. And okay, they may ask you another question, but you're able to move forward with it. But over time, when you can continue to repeat that process of speaking, it becomes easier to express what you need to express and you get it off your chest. A lot of it is pent up because when we were in the military, there was that whole rank structure where if you disobeyed or you didn't follow a rule, I remember I had a gentleman that he didn't want to wipe down a bulkhead in the Navy that's a wall. He didn't want to do his cleaning area. And he got three days bread and water. And so that plays a part into, like right now for me, like if you in the workforce today, if there's a level of respect that I have for you, Anytime something said to me and I feel like you outrank me or you are superior to me, it, those things are subconscious. So if you don't start speaking about it and voicing, you lose so much power because especially being enlisted, you were degraded to some sense to work in, a, in an environment where somebody that you knew wasn't smarter than you or more intelligent than you was in charge of you and you had to deal with it or there were severe repercussions. So you need to open up, you need to speak continue voice what you can at this time i guess that's what i would tell that person just voice what you can and from there you'll be able to open up and do and do more it's it's small bits you're not going to get it out in one session i promise you you won't get I've been going to a therapist now for i don't even know it's been years but you you it's something that is a continual process and it's there for you. The great thing about being a veteran is I don't have to pay for that. You pay for it when you decided to serve. Indeed. Indeed. Well, look, I know we have to wrap up because I, I know you got another appointment ahead of you. Are there any last words, any advice that you would want to give uh, someone out there just, just in closing? Definitely. Find somebody that you can connect with, whether it be um, a pastor, um, a religious leader, a friend. Um, a coworker, just somebody that you feel comfortable speaking with. Um, accountability partners are always good, um, but reach out to somebody that you feel is non-judgmental and just can listen to you. 
um, and that won't pass judgment. Um, if you're a veteran and you, you, I mean, you always got the veteran crisis line, so I'm definitely gonna advocate for that. Reach out and use that. Um, it's there for you, serve for that number, so that's yours. Use your, your tools. Um, somebody told me a long time ago, don't be a fool, use your tool. So use that as an item. Anybody that, I mean, I was a medical corpsman and I still, I think once I was a corpsman, I'm always a corpsman. If you say something to me medically and you're saying that, I'm going to support you in that forever and always. And I, I'm, I'm true to that. So, I mean, if you hit me up, I'm an open book. I still believe in serving today. That's why I do what I do on my platform. And I believe if you let this compound, you'll let other things compound. And I'm a product of that product. I let a lot compound in my life. And when I linked arms with other individuals, my life changed. And my mentor told me that years ago. She said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So if you your only friend and you're judging yourself, that's your future. If your friends are no better than you, and I'm not saying you need to best, be the best thing around, then you're stuck in that, that area. You can't grow if you're the shining star in your group. Um, when she taught me that, my life changed. I, I, I left, I didn't leave my friends that I had, but I went out and I ventured and I started searching for new friends. And when I did that, I started to learn more. I started to grow more. And in doing so, um, my life took a really, really serious turn last year. And I, and I give all props due to my organization for not only helping me mentally, they're there for me. They even look out for me during this whole coronavirus. Yeah, this coronavirus, coronavirus situation. And they were like, Dante, we're worried for you because you're not built for social distancing because I'm a social butterfly. I like to be around other individuals, but they reached out and they stay connected. So it's super important to stay connected with individuals. Indeed, indeed. Man, I appreciate those words of wisdom. I appreciate the knowledge you drop when it comes to, um, you know, dealing with the workplace and understanding what tools and resources that, you know, one would have available for them, you know, in the military. I really appreciate that. Well, Dante, I appreciate you. And to all our fans, we appreciate you tuning in. This is Dante and Greg signing out with Guards Down, telling you guys to stay safe, stay focused, and stay engaged. That's what that's what it's really all about. You know, giving yourself a fighting chance to to just show what you got.